Welcome to the Executive Spotlight Q&A, a sponsored light reading audio production. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and today's Executive Spotlight features someone I know very well in this industry, Metaswitch's CTO, Martin Taylor. As you'll soon hear, Martin Taylor is uniquely talented at explaining how the technology of the cloud giants, the hyperscalers like Google and Amazon, has and should continue to influence the direction of telecommunications infrastructure. Metaswitch Networks as a company really embraces the philosophy of building out cloud-native software, and they really do relish uh, a technical challenge. Their latest achievement in this area is a test they've done with Vodafone around something called 5G wireless wireline convergence. So what does cloud-native mean now, and why is that definition changing? And also, how is cloud native going to shape broadband and wireless infrastructure going forward? You will find out all of that and much, much more in this executive spotlight featuring Metaswitch's Martin Taylor. First of all, um, we're uh, recording our executive spotlight Q&A with Martin Taylor, CTO of Metaswitch. Uh, Martin, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Glad to be talking to you today because we have to talk about uh, the 5G core and how the 5G network is evolving. And uh, Metaswitch is once again in a piece of it that seems uh, uh really interesting and really kind of timely to to uh, those of us uh, uh, watching from afar. Um, so it's been a while now that Metaswitch has been talking about cloud-native software and really advocating uh, for cloud-native software in the industry. Um, let's talk about why cloud-native software is so important in the communications industry and then um, what the relevance is in uh, when it comes to building 5G networks. So building software um, to cloud native architectural principles is, is essential for the, uh, the, the kind of operations automation aspects of, of network function virtualization to be properly realized. Um, I mean, the, the industry has learned uh, to its cost that just virtualizing appliances um, according to the vision that was originally put out there by by Etsy and, and the talkers who wrote the white paper um, mm -hmm. actually doesn't I mean it, it 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 changes things in that stuff's running on commodity hardware but it, it doesn't change anything else and it doesn't enable you to uh, leverage all of the benefits of doing stuff in software with APIs with all of the potentiality of uh, highly automated operations um, so the cloud native, a lot of people say to me, well, everybody says they're cloud native. So how are you right. different? Uh, and I think, you know, the, the, the challenge here is that everyone has recognized that cloud native is the right way to do stuff. And so naturally enough, everybody claims their stuff is cloud native. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the way we think about cloud native, it's really um, a collection of architectural best practices uh, mm. as seen in the web scale world. And it it is something of a moving target because of course um, the web scalers, you know, keep on evolving the way they do stuff. So mm. what you would have described as cloud native four or five years ago when we introduced our cloud native IMS core looks significantly different today because in those days, 
uh, everything was deployed in virtual machines. Now, right. uh, you know, the web scale pra best practices, you deploy in containers, you orchestrate mm -hmm. with Kubernetes, you instrument with a whole bunch of open source projects like uh, Prometheus and, and FluentD and so on. So that's what cloud native looks like today. And what we've done with, with our uh, solution for 5G core is, you know, essentially to snapshot all of those best practices today and starting with a completely clean sheet of paper, build the software to that architectural approach. And that does mean that it, it's the, the software is extremely automatable uh, across the whole range of things that, 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 that people need to do to manage something complicated like a packet core. Yeah, I think the clean sheet of paper approach is the, the thing to, um, to really highlight here because that seems to be where NFE got derailed the first time around was people just trying to simply replicate network functions that were built on purpose-built devices in the cloud. And it it didn't allow for as much automation and, and some of the uh, more advanced uh, flexibility and functions as, uh, as a, a truly cloud-native approach can. That's right. Um, so what, let's get into what Metaswitch is doing here. So you, Metaswitch has talked about um, its 5G wireless wireline convergence test with uh, Vodafone. Um, Let's, I'll just ask straight out, what is 5G wireless wireline convergence? So this is an initiative that's been evolving over the last 18 months or so uh, between the standards bodies responsible for wireline broadband access and 3GPP, which is responsible for the mobile and 5G standards. Mm -hmm. um, it's It's been driven by a bunch of operators who offer both uh, mobile and wireline broadband services, uh, you know, who've observed that they are running those services out of completely independent and separate technology stacks. So, you know, in effect, wireline broadband, mobile broadband are technology silos with no commonality in any in any sense. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the observation has been, well, 5G packet core is a, a powerful, highly manageable broadband services edge uh, you know why can't we use that to deliver not just mobile broadband but also wireline broadband and have you know a single technology stack in the back end um, that that reduces the number of different technologies that we have to deploy and of course remember that um, network operators are busy virtualizing their networks and mm -hmm. working outwards from the core towards the edge um, so up till now, the broadband, the wireline broadband services edge hasn't really been virtualized. It's still running out of physical broadband network gateways. Um, so as they look to virtualize that piece, they're, they're saying to themselves, well, we've got to virtualize the 5G core, and that's all brand new cloud native technology. Why don't right. we just use that, leverage that to bring in our wireline uh, broadband traffic? Uh, simplify the technology stack and uh, unify our subscriber management policy charging and all that stuff across mm -hmm. our entire population of subscribers uh, so wireline wireless you know that they're, they're all getting um, looked after from the same back end same bss oss and so on okay um yeah they and it's it certainly makes sense if you're virtualizing all parts of the network and you're delivering broadband on two different paths why not unify those paths somewhere up the stack i guess absolutely 
um, okay, so MetaSwitch is uh, one of the components in the uh, wireless wireline, 5G wireless wireline convergence is MetaSwitch's uh, access gateway function. Um, what is the role of the uh, AGF in, in, this, uh, in this sort of scenario? Well, so this is the, the key new network element that's been defined by Broadband Forum working with uh, 3GPP. Um, think of it as the glue that sits between an existing wireline broadband access network and the 5G core. So it sits behind the um, wireline broadband access nodes, and that is GPON optical line termination units. It is DSLAMs in, in, in the DSL world. Mm -hmm. And it looks to them like a completely standard broadband network gateway. So it presents the standard um, service edge interface specification, which is the V interface that broadband forum defined. And then on the on the upstream side, it presents an, the N3 interface to the um, to the 5G core. So it looks like a 5G radio base station, a G node B. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a kind of interworking function, if you like. Um, as I say, it allows you to take your entire install base of wireline access nodes and the residential gateways that they that, that they service and hook that up to a 5G core, which then performs essentially the same role as a broadband network gateway does. It authenticates and authorizes attachment to the service. It then applies, uh, it obviously provides a path between those users and the internet. And it applies a policy to that subscriber service, you know, throttles the bandwidth according to what service tier they have, you know, maybe mm -hmm. applies some QoS so that you've got sort of some differentiated service capabilities in there and so on. That's what the AGF does. Excellent. Okay. And this is, um, to, to get into the specifics of it, the AGF, is that a piece of hardware, a piece of software, or a combination of both? Well, of course, the, 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 the standards don't define uh, how you implement this thing, but uh, of right. course... Uh, you know, these days, you want to implement this thing purely as software. That's what we've done with the Fusion Core uh, AGF. Uh, it is uh, an, another piece of cloud-native software. Think of it as, as an extension to our cloud-native 5G core. Uh, it's architected just like our UPF, our user plane function, mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, in that it's packaged in containers, deployable with Kubernetes as the orchestrator, highly, uh, highly automated. Elastic scale out, uh, N plus K redundancy, the ability to upgrade the software and service—you know—all of that, that. Those good cloud native things are embodied in the way that we built our AGF. Okay, excellent. Um, so, you deployed this in Vodafone's labs, and uh, I'm told that the whole deployment was uh, was done remotely. You know, as this is cloud native software, that's of course possible to do. Um, it's also quite convenient because we're recording this in the time of uh, most of us are observing uh, stay at home orders for uh, the, you know during the covid-19 pandemic but um uh what what would have been different i guess if you had not if we had not been uh you know in the midst of this uh pandemic uh, would you still be able to uh deploy this remotely in a carrier's lab and uh and do all the things you would normally do to stand this up and get it up and running yeah, I mean, it, it is usually possible to uh, deploy a piece of software remotely. Uh, I, th I think the, the big difference in this case is the degree of automation that we applied to to, to enabling that deployment. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you know th th this is one of the areas in which I think we, we 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 quite impressed the Vodafone technical team here because 
we, we used a, uh, an open source technology called Helm, which is a way of automating the deployment of Kubernetes applications. And essentially, uh, you know, it's, you, 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 you define a template that says this is, this is how we want the application to be deployed. And then it's one click and, you know, all of the standing up of the different uh, components and containers and Kubernetes pods and so on is completely automated. So that kind of one-click deployment, uh, you know, certainly made an impression in, in this case. And of course, mm -hmm. what, you know, when, when you're thinking about, well, how does an operator actually roll this out? I mean, a, a, the AGF is is out at the edge of the network, and you know, probably there are going to be in, in a nationwide network hundreds of instances of this stuff. So being able to stand it up, uh, you know, with a with a one-click automated deployment operation, is 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 kind of fundamental to the yeah. the, the, the business case, if you like, for uh, for, for for deploying this stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let's go. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, MetaSwitch 5G Fusion Core because you had made reference to it earlier about how the AGF is part of the Fusion Core um, along with uh, the UPF and other components. Um, what uh, what got MetaSwitch into the 5G Core business, and why does it feel like it's a um, it, it can be a really competitive player in that space? Um, well, the uh... <laughs> The simple answer is that uh, we, we did it because we can and because we like to take on interesting and difficult problems. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, that, that, that certainly doesn't answer the question of how, how do we think that we can be successful. Certainly, I mean, we are absolutely a new entrant into the mobile packet core space. Um, I think, um, you know, we, we, we alluded a little bit to the clean sheet of paper approach that uh, mm -hmm. we took here. And actually, yeah. I think the fact that we have never been in the mobile packet core before meant that we had no legacy code base, um, which, you know, to take forward into in, into the 5G world. Now, you know, that's that's both that's a blessing and a curse. It's a curse because we have to write a lot of stuff from scratch, but it's a blessing because we're not saddled with any legacy architectural baggage that prevents us from being you know, truly and properly cloud native here. So starting with a clean sheet of paper, we were able to build stuff, uh, you know, absolutely according to those latest cloud native principles. And, uh, you know, that's where this very high degree of automation, automatability uh, comes from. Now, when it comes to, well, okay, but you're up against a lot of, uh, uh, you know, incumbent competitors, I would mm -hmm. say for sure, um, what we're providing is it's not obvious that a an existing mobile a mobile operator with an existing massive large-scale deployment of lte packet core the evolved packet core is going to you know is going to see uh our 5g core as a sort of natural evolution path um but the thing to, to realize about 5g is that there are a lot of brand new use cases that 5g enables Right. Uh, and 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 that's where um, the fusion core really shines, because uh, you know it is properly cloud native. Uh, we we have gotten we have demonstrated phenomenal performance from our user plane in pure software, uh, and that's very useful in the context of wireless wireline convergence, particularly because the, the thing to remember about wireline broadband customers is they consume at least an order of magnitude more volume of traffic than mobile broadband subscribers but typically at a lower average revenue per user so mm -hmm. the economics of your user plane in wireless wireline convergence 
are much more challenging than they are for mobile broadband. And therefore, you need super high performance, super efficient software to implement the user plane. And that's an area that we have excelled in. The, the other area that we've excelled in is in the extreme uh, breadth of scalability that our approach uh, brings. And that, again, is, is a byproduct of taking a properly cloud native approach. It, with cloud native, what you do is you implement each microservice so that uh, each microservice is based on running a large number of very small software instances. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you scale out just by having more and more of them. But what that means is that you can also scale very small. And we've been able to show Fusion Core running uh, on a uh, four core, you know, handheld device. Uh, we've also uh, we also demonstrated it uh, at, at one of Microsoft developer conferences running on their Azure Stack Edge box. Um, and we're unique in that in that capability. Uh, you know, everybody else that's that's kind of taken a legacy software evolution approach. Uh, you know, it needs a lot of big iron in order to run their their, their packet core uh, mm -hmm. and, and just simply cannot run on a small box at the edge. Now, you may say, well, what's the use case for that? Well, the answer is it's private cellular. And yeah. you know, with with CBRS now having come on, on stream, uh, lots and lots of interest from industrial, logistics, transportation, uh, those kinds of users who want wide scale, uh, you know, much wider scale wireless support than Wi-Fi can offer. Um, but they need a local uh, private packet core because they need, you know, they want to run low latency applications. So they need a small footprint for that. No, good, good reminder too that that being scalable in the in the uh, um, in the technology world doesn't always refer to getting bigger. Um, Indeed, <laughs> it's a it's it's small it's, is good sometimes too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so let's talk about one more component of. Uh, the uh, the AGF and uh, the the access gateway function in this in in this uh, wireless wireline convergence and then maybe we'll talk um, you know a little bit about what your customers are saying about five G core um, so first off uh, uh, part of this uh, part of what's powering the AGF function is uh, what MetaSwitch is calling the composable network applications processor or CNAP can you tell me a little bit about what what that is and what it does yeah so when we started on our 5g core journey um we we realized that the hardest technical problem that needed to be solved was the uh perform the, the packet processing performance of the user plane function um you know the, 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 for a long time in this industry uh you know there's been this debate about whether pure software solutions could ever compete successfully against proprietary hardware in the in, in the packet processing space. And uh, the mm -hmm. user plane function and the AGF are nothing if not um, packet processing functions. I mean, they're, they're doing quite a lot of work on packet flows between users and the networks that they're accessing in terms of, you know, tunnel end cap and DCAP, uh, uh, the, the application of policy, firewalling, uh, carrier grade NAT, you know, th those kinds of things. That, that's heavy lifting in the packet processing space. And traditionally, people have used proprietary hardware to do that. Well, as a software company and you know, wanting to do things properly cloud native, uh, we, we decided we needed to do this entirely in software without any kind of hardware acceleration. We can leverage hardware acceleration, but we don't need it. And what that meant was really um, going to extreme 
measures, if you like, to, to maximize the efficiency and, and flexibility of, of packet processing software. So again, I mean, here we, one of the things you do in, in, in cloud native software development is you go out and scour the open source world to see if there are solutions out there that could fit your need. Um, but in the case of, of high performance packet processing, yes, there are certainly some solutions out there, but we felt that they were all, first of all, flawed in their con uh, conception and execution, but also, you know, we felt we could do much better in overall performance terms. So again, we started with a clean sheet of paper. We built this piece of software we call CNAP. Um, it's it's a configuration-driven packet processor. So it's it's a, a general purpose piece of software where we can construct a template or a configuration that describes the packet pipeline we want. It describes the sequence of operations we want to perform on a packet as it flows uh, through this thing mm -hmm. and, and therefore modify it very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it has phenomenal performance. Uh, and, you know, we achieve this by making very creative use of uh, the Intel uh, architecture instruction set. You know, there's been a lot of interesting new instructions that have been added over, over the last few years, which if used creatively in packet processing can make a major, major difference. Um, there's just a lot of secret source about how we use the uh, data and instruction caches and, uh, and so on. Um, mm -hmm. Now, um, the, the, the proof of the pudding here is that we had our UPF tested uh, in conjunction with Intel, they, they provided a test regime, uh, traffic profile, a set of functionalities that we needed to show in the pipeline uh, to, to, to emulate you know, a real world 5G user plane function. And we demonstrated 500 gigabits throughput on a single standard off the shelf two socket Intel uh, server without any kind of hardware assist at all. And, uh, and and they were blown away. I mean, they 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 they, they said to us, mm. you know, how in heck did you guys achieve that kind of performance? Because you know, it's two to three times what we you know we had believed were was the theoretical limit uh, for, right. for, for this architecture. So that's the kind of technical underpinnings, if you like, across now any any new packet processing thing that we do will leverage CNAP. User plane function for the 5G uh, fusion core is is certainly the first application, but we've used it also for AGF for obvious reasons. And if I translate that into what that means, you know, to a service provider, it it essentially means that you'll be able to eventually do harder and harder, net, you know, functions on a on, on older hardware. You know, not 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 necessarily having to have the very latest hardware uh, to to run some of these uh, more complex. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're putting new hardware in place, what, you know, what, whatever processor uh, you or whatever server type you select, we, we use less of it than mm. anybody else's software on the planet. Uh, so and, you know, that that translates directly into uh, reduced total cost of ownership. Yeah, which is definitely a, a, a box that carriers are, are willing or wanting to tick. Um, let's. Uh, so the last question we're talking about, you know, the five G wireless wireline convergence and the the uh, 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 test that's going on, the the trial that's happening in Vodafone's labs. Um, so obviously, you're talking to carriers about 
um, what they need in the 5G core, what works best in 5G core deployments. What are you hearing from your customers in terms of uh, best practices for uh, the 5G core? Um, so we're, we're hearing pretty universally that, uh, that, that, that operators are, are expecting their vendors to deliver a properly cloud native application. But I think, you know, but we're also perceiving uh, a lot of differing views about what truly constitutes cloud native. Um, because, uh, you know, in, in our view and, and the view of the web scalers out there, cloud native absolutely means containers and Kubernetes and, you know, that whole ecosystem, uh, that trail map. If you, if you, if you refer to the cloud native computing forum, the CNCF, um, mm-hmm. th- th- there's a whole bunch of materials there that, that talk about what cloud native is. And, and, and that's the kind of canonical reference material we should be using to, um, as, you know, as a set of criteria to judge whether an application is truly cloud native or not. I think, you know, what, what we're seeing is uh, network operators, you know, they may be aware of that, but they seem to be presented with a, a lot of offerings from from their vendors that I, I wouldn't say measure up in any shape or form to to those criteria. Um, so you know that, that that that's a little frustrating to us because you know we 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 think we stand head and shoulders above above the pack in terms of uh, you know properly implemented cloud native principles, but it it, it feels like those that that those principles are being watered down quite a lot as network operators. Get their heads around what they can what they can realistically obtain from their incumbent vendors. Hmm. Well, hopefully these uh, uh, you know these lab trials and the the sort of the work you're doing with Vodafone will will help uh, help get the word out and uh, and maybe they'll uh, they'll start scratching their heads a bit and changing their minds. Yes, I mean I I think um, seeing real world uh, you know, cl- cloud native with Kubernetes and containers. Uh, particularly for, for for something operating the user plane, I think this is one of the areas where uh, we are we are very different. Uh, I think you know it's it's much much easier to build cloud native solutions in the control plane space, uh, but user plane is is a much more challenging problem as I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier. So you know we're hoping that this this will open their eyes to you know this is the state of the art now and uh, start. Uh, holding their other vendors to account, if you like, in, in, in that light. Excellent. Okay, Martin Taylor, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Executive Spotlight q and It's been great talking to you, Phil. That is it. That's our show. Thanks very much to Metaswitch CTO Martin Taylor for his time and insights today. Thanks to our producer, Tian Fu, for his uh, fine work on this production, making it sound so good. As noted before, this is a sponsored audio production of Light Reading, and the executive spotlight does not necessarily reflect the uh, views of Light Reading's editorial staff, though sometimes it actually does. Uh, To schedule your own executive spotlight Q&A, please contact the Light Reading sales department. The email address you should have is sales at lightreading.com. Thanks for listening.